listening to All That Matters from CJSR, stories about arts and culture around Alberta. I'm Chris Chang and Phillips. And I'm Nikki Weir. Each week we take small bites out of a big question. There is one question that all artists are always thinking about. <laughs> okay, that's a pretty bold statement. I feel confident making it because it does not take long to get there in any conversation with people. <laughs> I was at the Art Gallery of Alberta the other day and I got talking to the server, Alexandra, at the bar upstairs. And within minutes we were talking about it. I've had a sort of conversation about this um, a lot with a, a, quite a few artists. Okay, just wait, Chris. Let's backtrack. We don't know what the question is yet. Right, right. Okay. The question is, what is art worth? I'm uh, Alexandra Perella. I am a performance artist, juggler, so generally wear big pants uh, with polka dots on them. And I'm also a textile artist, which kind of goes hand in hand with that. Um, Make bags and skirts and, you know, weird things with textiles. You make um, your own stuff. And I make my own costumes. Okay, so I was talked into performing in Toefield, Alberta, which is my hometown. I left there when I was 12, so I had a bit of nostalgia for it. And uh, I was serving at the time in Edmonton in the Citadel restaurant years ago. And uh, this sort of couple started talking to me. Turns out they're from Toefield. We got to talking about me being a juggler, and they said, hey, you know, we're doing our yearly promenade, which of course I was familiar with, and uh, and they said, we'd love to have you out, and they just, you know, they stroked my ego, and, uh, you know, I eventually said, yeah, I'd love to, and then they sent me sort of what the budget was, and I had already felt like I had said yes, and uh, I even brought friends out, and um, we got, we performed you know, and we're, we were pretty good by that point. Um, we performed three hours, 45 minutes each hour. Uh, and I think we got paid $200 each, which is barely enough to cover gas and like dinner afterwards. Um, uh, yeah, I think that was the worst one. I don't know, $200 a day sounds pretty sweet. I would totally have taken that. I know, me too. <laughs> but I think that's the point. There's this vast gulf in most artistic fields between what the people who make a thing think it's worth and what the people on the outside think it's worth. I can almost hear the like w- like what someone who's contracting out art would say which is like yeah, but isn't it something you love? Yeah, and so same with pipefitters. I mean, you know, same with a plumber and electrician who really loves their job, but we don't expect love to pay for their bills or feed them. Um, you know, art isn't an extra thing. Art is is an important part of life. I think of every life. Everyone has a song that changed their life. Everyone has a has a you know picture that means something to them. You know that somebody did or you know. There's always you know fashion. Even if you don't even really like music or art, you know you probably have that amazing dress or amazing suit or something that is just a little funky and a designer made that, you know? And, you know, we consume art like this, this, you know, this whipped cream on top of life, but I really feel like it's central. Well, today on All That Matters, we've got two stories asking this question, what is art worth? We asked you out there in listener land to compare some art for us. And we have a story about how we decide whether something is art or a crime. 
The Found Festival is a found space arts and theater festival here in Edmonton. The performances and pieces are all mounted in places the artists found, like the opera singer who sang from a canoe paddling by while people watched from a bridge overhead. All That Matters showed up at the 2015 Found Festival to conduct an experiment. How do new artworks stand up against the old classics? And what do we value? Our reporter Kay Rollins reports. This last weekend, there was a fabulous festival in our fair city called the Found Festival. It's a festival that promotes emerging artists and really encourages artists to take risks and to try new things. They have performances and installations, visual art, set up all over Old Strathcona, some of which really bend the rules and challenge what art is. So I figured this would be a great venue to find what people are looking for in art. You know, what they like and what they value. So let me set the scene. I brought three works of visual art to the festival. One was really big, about one by one and a half meters, a bright, colorful, and skillfully rendered Jurassic landscape, with a circle of friendly, polychromatic dinosaurs hanging out together, herbivore and omnivore alike. The second one was a little three colors, the screen print of an androgynous face in a circle of trees, and these two pieces were originals. In fact, my roommates made them. They let me borrow them. And the third piece was a reproduction painting you'll probably recognize, Van Gogh's sunflowers. Muted yellows and browns, energetic brush strokes, and lots of movement and texture. So I spent an afternoon on the festival grounds at Gazebo Park with these three works, and I started by asking people which one they liked best. Let me play you a few of their answers. My name is Joel Terrace. So we have these three pieces in front of us here. Yes. Which one do you like the best? Honestly, this giant canvas with dinosaurs covering it. Why? I am a grown man-child and love dinosaurs. Also, I just saw Jurassic World and was on the half of the human populace that really enjoyed it. My name is Patrick. I have to say that this dinosaur painting is spectacular. There's so many cool, so many cool colors, and the dinosaurs look like they're smiling. Normally, you don't see, think of dinosaurs smiling, but it looks like they all are. And one of them actually looks like it's in a bit of a sexual position. Like the T-Rex looks like it's getting, just about to get mounted by. I don't know what that one would be called. I, I like call a Drachiosaurus or something. Yeah, Drachiosaurus. Yeah, no, but it's just neat to see all those dinosaurs all together in this kind of like hippie circle with all the bright colors. Like, it looks like a tie-dye dinosaur world. So, hello. Hi. And what's your name? Danielle. Which one's your favorite? Um, I think the one that you said was your roommate's is the, the one I like the most. So the one, the face and on the yellow, the red face. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Why? Um, I don't know. I've never really seen anything like that before. And there's, there's a lot of emotions, I think, that you can pull from it. It looks like he could either be sad or he could be just thinking really hard. I don't know if that's sweat coming down from his... So, like, it makes you feel something. Yeah, the Van Gogh is really nice too, but I don't know, I guess I, I've seen it for, for so long, it's, it's nice to see something new and fresh. My name is Jesse. I'm Gordy. Which one of these three pieces is your favorite, Jesse? My personal favorite has got to be the big dinosaur painting. Uh, because of dinosaurs, I love dinosaurs, but also the color, love, love how bright these dinosaurs are. I mean, I, like, I'm certainly a fan of the sunflowers, I like that painting, but amongst these other paintings, I, I feel like I'm drawn to the colorfulness of these other paintings. Uh, 
yeah, the, the other two are so bright and, and the sunflowers are so drab uh, that, yeah, I, I'm, drawn, I'm drawn towards the color. My favorite is the uh, primary colors uh, print because it's very simple and very like easy to like uh, observe and like contain like get into your head. So like yeah, you can like see all of it really quickly. But I do love the dinosaurs because of its massive size and the fact that all the dinosaurs, including the carnivorous ones, uh, are also they're just hanging out. Like that would never happen, but like they're just hanging out. Yeah, they're all they're all just friends. being friends. <laughs> so. What I gathered from these answers was, in general, people liked bright colors, fun times, silly stories, things that made them feel good. But when I started asking about what people valued in art, there were a few different answers. Um, so neither of you mentioned this Van Gogh, which you did correctly identify as a Van Gogh. Why isn't it your favorite? Well, first of all, it must be a fake. It is a fake. Yeah, so that first of all turned me off right away. Because it's like, though, these ones are real. Like, this is some legit stuff right here. And then you throw in a fake Van Gogh, and that's just throwing stuff off for me. Because it, it's not real. If it was real, I'd be freaking out. But since it's in like fake, it's kind of in a tacky frame, no offense. It just turned me away. I'm sorry. I'm one, what, if, what if, you know, a real person painted this recreation of a Van Gogh? So this person copied a Van Gogh. Right. So so what what hurts the value of that piece in your eyes? Like a person copying a Van Gogh? Yeah. So they legit just stole, like looked at it and were like, I'm going to redo this, but then also write the name Vincent on it. Yeah, it says says Vincent yeah. on the on the painting. So like this jerk <laughs> legit just like painted it, but then also took his name. Okay. So that's pretty scummy. <laughs> I think like to a degree you have to take into account all the materials that are made or used when you're making a piece of art, when you're trying to price it. Um, then ultimately like also the amount of time someone puts into it. But at the end of the day, I think what people are going to go for is something that speaks to them. And you know, you might have a charcoal drawing that's worth $2,000 and then we spend five minutes on that. And you could have an oil painting that took someone 10 years, but it still just looks like a piece of crap. Let's pretend that this was a real Van Gogh. And I had it next to these dinosaurs. Which one? Which one would you like more? Uh, all art is subjective, and I I would still stick with the dinosaurs, based purely on my personal nostalgia. And which one would you value more? The Van Gogh. <laughs> Why? Uh, if that were an original, and I were able to take it home, that would be buying a new home, a much larger home. As you could hear, it was pretty loud on the festival grounds and not all of my tape turned out very well, but a few people mentioned the ability to draw personal connections with artwork as a really important part of their experience. One woman even told me that the dinosaur painting reminded her of the land before time, and it brought back all sorts of childhood memories that were really special to her. So for that reason, she valued that painting the most. Then there was one answer that took a more art historical approach. What is, what is art to you? Anything created or uh, produced with the intention of making other people feel something? Yeah. Which of these pieces makes you feel something? I'm going Van Gogh. I don't know. I'm not into the dinosaurs. The graphic is like not super my style. So uh, as an art historian, I'll go Van Gogh. As an art historian. <laughs> As an art historian. So the history of the piece is something that you really value about it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, it's always about the story behind. And, yeah, cool. 
So if you did know something about these two pieces, you know, if there was some sort of epic <laughs> historical story behind them, do you think you'd value them differently? Of course. All art is only the story. The artist, the name, like who it is, the uh, who's owned it in the past, uh, like how, that's always, that's the whole value of art is really the aesthetic, aesthetic pleasure is not what makes art valuable. So art to you is this sort of accumulative objects, yeah. accumulation of nostalgia, yep. of memory. Of history, yeah. This Van Gogh, it's not a real Van Gogh. No. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously I don't own a Van Gogh. <laughs> so does that change your perception of the value of these pieces as they are in this space? Um, still no. Uh, I like. I, I guess I value the artistic practice, but um, like aesthetically, it's not. They're not pleasing to me, and uh, there's nothing else to go off of that would make it valuable to me. Like a lot of like the sunflowers aren't particularly. Like they are sort of downers. Like they're not particularly. It's not something I would hang in my living room, but um, I still ascribe value to it for other reasons that I don't have for the other two pieces. So I don't know. What are the most valuable things that people take away from art? History and reputation can be really important, but what if you haven't studied art history? What is important to people in the immediacy of the experience of art? Color? Good feelings? The ability to identify or sympathize with an evocative image? Hard work? Expensive materials? The ability to resell a piece for a lot of money? Or just the way a certain image speaks to you? at a certain time and in a certain space. And while bibliographic information and the reputation of an artist within a canon is a completely legitimate way to interact with a piece of art, I certainly think about art this way a lot, it's important to remember that it's definitely not the only way. That kind of information isn't available to everyone. So on that note, I'm going to give the last word to Patrick. The flowers are like well done, really cool painting. But I feel like it, it kind of makes me feel a little sick or dead inside. I don't know why. This is a Vincent Van Gogh. Did you know that? No way. Yeah, the one that makes you feel dead inside. Well, f Van Gogh. <laughs> Well, have you heard about the painter Vincent van Gogh, who loved color and who let it show? And in the museum, what? Thanks to Jeanette Lazar and former All That Matters reporter Jonathan Dick for letting us use their artworks for our story. If you'd like to see the photos of all the art we used for this story, visit our blog. And thanks as well to Edmonton's Found Festival for having us. The Found Festival is an annual Common Ground Art Society project. It's over for this year, but make sure you check it out in 2016 and visit commongroundsarts.ca. You're listening to All That Matters from CJSR. I'm Nikki Weir. And I'm Chris Chang and Phillips. We tell stories about arts and culture around Alberta. Each week, we try to take small bites out of a big question. This week, what is art worth? Chris, you were at our booth at FoundFest, right? I was indeed. Here's an even more pressing question then. Which painting was the most fabulous? <laughs> uh, I wish that I could say something besides the dinosaur picnic. I, I just, I'm sorry, Van Gogh. It was the dinosaurs. <laughs> I want to see this painting. I haven't seen this painting yet. I need to go and check out our blog. It'll be on our website. Well, our next story is also kind of about taste. Street art is getting more legitimate in the art world. Who doesn't love Banksy these days? But what determines if an illegal drawing on a wall is street art or just graffiti? Perhaps more importantly, 
who decides? At his art show in Edmonton, Jamie Law, a.k.a. Daft Punk, was faced with six police officers and charged with vandalism. Our reporters, Steph Varga and Nathaniel Monte, went to find out what the word on the street is when it comes to street art. Tagging is a form of street art that sometimes requires drawings of illegal art rendered on public or private property. This in turn makes the perception of vandalism destructive to most people. But in certain circles, it's considered a cry for help, or even a way to tell everyone you have something to offer the world. That's what Kim Fjordbotten and Jamie Law, aka Daft Punk, wanted to present. Instead of the wall, they wanted to bring the graffiti scene indoors. On August 16, 2012, the show was raided by the police. It was the first time an art show was raided in Canada. Well, this was a, a graffiti show. It wasn't our first graffiti show, but it was our first what I call the authentic graffiti show. We did find an artist uh, to put his work on canvas and on acetate to hang on our wall. So art that had been seen out in the city was now on display in the gallery. Have you spoken to Jamie Law in the past before this art gallery started? Oh, he was a regular customer for us. He's a tattoo artist. He came in for lots of supplies, and it took a lot of cajoling and, and feedback back and forth to convince him to come put his stuff in the gallery. Was he comfortable with the idea in the beginning? He was. He was very open to making the transition from working illegally to working legally, and I thought this was a great opportunity to showcase that art could be authentic, a graffiti style was accepted, and, and we could put it in the gallery. Did he talk about his uh, illegal tagging in the city at all when you guys were doing your art show? There's a lot of um, reservedness and quietness to graffiti. You don't really know the person you're dealing with and what they do in the street. They keep it quite separate. So I had really not an understanding of his activity in the, in the community. I knew that his art looked awesome on canvas and that's what we hung in our show. When did you start getting into tagging? Um, I'm not really a tagger, but to say I did street art. Uh, you know, I started doing street art probably in like 2010. Because that, that was probably the loose start. It was a very loose start because I was never really uh, overly prominent or anything. I was just curious. Well, that was interesting. We had just set up the show. We were just putting out the coffee and tea for the opening, and I was sitting at my desk, and six police officers. I just looked up and saw a police officer in my store, and I'm like, hi, how are you doing? You know, I'm not thinking anything unusual. And I was presented with the search warrant and seizure of everything in the gallery to uh, confiscate the art as evidence against the graffiti artist. I felt really, it was a moment where I'm, I'm looking at the, um, the warrant and it's for uh, seizing art uh, to have evidence against up to $3,000 worth of graffiti vandalism. And there's a moment where I really felt, well, I should step, step up and lawyer up and protect the identity of the artist. And I, I, you know, I just, I didn't really know I wasn't prepared for this kind of uh, confrontation. Um, I did try to convince them to leave the show up. Let's have a conversation about it. Uh, it's not that you need to seize the artwork in order to prove your case. I think we're all aware, well aware that you can prove your case. Um, but no, they took everything out of, out of the gallery. Would you be able to elaborate like what happened that night specifically? Um, well, the, the police came on the reception day actually. We could have never predicted that. They came two hours prior to the reception, which we could have never predicted that. It would have been smarter for them to have shown up at the reception, 
uh, but who knows, right? Like it was just uh, when, when it had happened, the girls had called me while I was at work. So I was aware of the situation. I knew that, uh, you know, the steps were being taken to, uh, to prosecute me. That, you know, like I, I knew it was going to happen. Like it was just an inevitability before, uh, you know, court happened or arrests happened. Like it was all just, it was all just like, how do I handle the situation from this point on? Uh, so I really wasn't overly concerned. We knew that it might happen. I told her that if, it, if the police ever did come, to just let the canvases go, to not put up any resistance, to just let it happen. I, I, there was no fear. I knew what I was doing. <laughs> Have you seen the art since uh, that day? No, the art is still locked away in uh, the uh, in the evidence room. And uh, that was actually something that was supposed to come back to me. And part of the conditions that the Crown had made with me and my lawyers had made deals with the Crown is that in me eventually giving my guilty plea for my conditional discharge, uh, that I would do the community service hours. And uh, I, all that I asked is that I would get my paintings back. I was actually promised that I would get my paintings back, but this hasn't happened yet. So. You know, I'd really like to see those paintings again, and that way we could eventually put them back on a gallery wall, sell those paintings, give that money away to charity like we originally intended on doing, and that way can actually, everybody can see the art show that they all missed. You know, everybody wanted to see that art show and they never got to see it. So to see those paintings again would be quite surreal. To know that I haven't seen them for three years. They've wow. been Three years, those paintings have been tucked away in an evidence room, which I like to think is, is kind of cool in its own right. Uh, all they're doing is gaining value. Provided they're not destroyed, or provided that they haven't been sold off at a police auction for <laughs> bare minimum price, um, I don't know, I, I would absolutely love to see those paintings again. Alright. Little did Jamie know, he had unknown support and backing through social media from artists just like him across the virtual world. What happened proceeding after the raid and did uh, social media or modern MSM media has helped you or did not help you in any way? Oh, social media played a huge part. Like, I, I never realized uh, just how many, like, what, what kind of a following I had or just how many people are actually interested in my work. It really brought it to a new scope. Because I was never really around to see who did get to see the, the art show prior to the police coming. I never got to see the physical amount of people until like maybe the follow-up art show that we did. But the online presence was even bigger. And because this was the first time an art show has ever been raided, it went national. So you're getting international attention. You're getting people from Montreal and from Ontario hearing about your story. It just, you know, it... It blows my mind uh, just how much uh, public support there was for this because it wasn't just about the art or the artist it was about like creating free walls about you know creating something bigger than just this it was all bigger than me which was nice because it took a little bit of attention away from that it's nice that I was able to bolster that or to promote that but uh, it's nice that it wasn't just about me it was about let's help everybody else after this ordeal Jamie and Kim describe how they overcame the situation in their own way. Everything's positive. I never let things tear me down. It would take a lot more uh, than this to take me down a notch. Uh, granted, I did have a lot of support around to keep my head in the right space, but it was all positive. 
you know, we we started Minbid. We started showing art, uh, street artists to the art scene. We started exposing artists. We started selling local art. Uh, at a rapid level. We had 13 art shows in one year. We sold over $50,000 worth of local art. So, you know, it was a positive impact on the art scene in Edmonton. It was a positive impact on the uh, the Yeg SA community. The, you know, all the street artists in town finally grouped together, became stronger. It bolstered relationships with people that you never would have thought I would have had. People like uh, Sharon Chapman at... Uh, at Capital City Cleanup, uh, I had you know became friends with Don Saunders at the Edmonton Art Council. Became friends with Christy Trinier from the AGA. Uh, you know all these people. Uh, all of a sudden, the network was bigger, and all these uh, all these friends start coming out to support you. So it was nothing but positive. My art is definitely improved because now everything that I do is on canvas. I haven't been active in the streets since. I have no plans to. Um, but you know, now I get to show my stuff legitimately. You know, granted there, you know, there might have been the cost of having to do some community service, but by showing uh, that I was willing to do that in the beginning, by having, uh, you know, by, by by showing that I was willing to uh, give all my paintings away to charity, that alone was, you know, that was community service. I was showing that I was willing to put that in anyways. I love my community. I love my family. Love my kids. Love the city, man. It certainly was an eye-opener. I mean, I come at it from an artist's point of view. I see graffiti as a style, I see graffiti as an art form. Hearing the other side of the story, that it's vandalism, that there are victims of this, there's people that feel that when there's illegal tagging on their walls that they feel their neighborhood is at risk. This is two sides of the same issue. So to have that conversation, we've had it with Capital City Cleanup, the Edmonton Police Service, the Edmonton Arts Council. Um, there was lots of discussion about how we can have both worlds. And I think one solution is the free walls that they've started. The one behind our store is certainly well used. So the pilot project is, I think, a great success story about how you can balance both sides of the story. Um, having taggers have a safe place to practice their craft and move towards an art form and keep it off the spots that are not with permission. That's when it's illegal, right? It's not your building, don't write your name on it. That's what we're trying to get away from. Um, having more shows for, for uh, urban artists. Um, we're having uh, an, an aerosol arena at Art Walk this year. It'll be 12 artists out there demonstrating their craft for the, for the audience in a legal form, in a participatory form. I'm really excited about showcasing the art of graffiti. Would you have anything to say for any taggers out there, or anybody that wants to come out to express their art legitimacy in the city and Edmonton? Oh man, anybody that's, you know, like graffiti culture, tagging, all that is going to exist whether we like it or not. Uh, but what I'd like to say to, you know, anybody that's kind of an up-and-comer or just kind of like spitballing it out there, you know, hit the free walls, legitimize yourself, practice, practice, practice. That's what they're there for, you know? Uh, think beyond the quick, simple 13-second tag, you know? Uh, try to get yourself into, like, creating an entire mural. That's what those walls are there for. And, you know, you're bigger and better than that. Do your thing. That's what, that's what we're doing this for. Um, and take advantage of uh, a lot of the uh, street art graffiti workshops being put on by artists like AJ Loudon. You've got artists like AJ Loudon putting their time, their blood, sweat, and tears into making these free walls super presentable and showing you these workshops on how to do graffiti portraits and stuff. Just elevate yourself.
we're very liberal with our advertising. We let, you know, bold Helvetica red font go everywhere advertising a business. But this little cry of humanity that says, I was here, I don't think we need to be so hard on it. I think we just need to find a space for it that is legal. So there you have it. With a little bit of ambitious determination and fortitude, any obstacle can be overcome. We spoke to the Edmonton Police Service for further comment on this story. They said they were unable to speak to us because the case is ongoing. Thanks to Nathaniel Monte and Steph Varga for their work on that piece. And thanks to Kim Fjordbotten and Jamie Law for speaking with us. Well, that does it this week for All That Matters. Thanks to all this week's contributors, Steph, Nathaniel, and Kay Rollins. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can email us at allthatmatters@cgsr.com. Shout out here to Lorena Berlin, who Kay and I met at FoundFest, for writing to us this week. Our website is allthatmatters.cgsr.wordpress.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. We're at ATMCGSR. All That Matters is a production of CGSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton. Our theme music is by Dokashi Teru. Additional music today by Arca, Lodium, and Anais Mitchell. I'm Chris Chang and Phillips. And I'm Nikki Beer. Thanks for listening. Thank you.